You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this evening's Coaches on the Couch with myself, Philip Hatsis, and uh, Alan Ward. Both of us today are going to be talking to you about what is an off-season and uh, all the different intricate details about off-seasons and why they're important, why they fit into a season, how they work, and everything else. So I guess, uh, Alan, let's just sort of kick things off with the, the most obvious question. What is this kind of phrase which is being branded around by many athletes at this time of year, the, the off-season? What is it? As opposed to the obvious, it's not an on-season. What is the off-season? <laughs> it's just I show it as a laugh with the, about the being banded around and social media posts, hashtags, etc. Off season, off season, off season, etc. Um, I I think it's a good excuse for a party for some, and it's a good you know it's um it's a token gesture, token gesture for others. Um, but I guess I guess the main the main thing is is to um to note denote the end of the season that's that's the first thing carrying on from the conversations that we've had before it's the um it's kind of a it's an off button to say okay well that is a that that was last year that's it i'm done and i think that's most the most important thing is to have that separation point yeah. and then uh, and then after that the, the off season is um it's kind of a period in which you let go of benchmarks as an athlete said to me yesterday you let go of a little bit of fitness you you let go of all the specificity that's built up towards an event obviously as you get towards an event which you know most athletes are doing towards the end of the year things get more and more detailed and that focus becomes more and more laser-like and it's a time to defocus step back gain some perspective but also hopefully gain some energy and really importantly, hunger for next year. Okay. So I guess the other flip question would be, how would you define an on-season? What's the kind of... Um, uh, a general to specific period of preparation for an event. Yeah. That's it. There you go. You asked for a definition. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, I'm trying to work <laughs> out because I was just thinking, thinking we, we, we kind of say here defining the off-season, right? And the off-season yeah. is sort of talked about and people kind of recognise it. But if you then actually start thinking about what constitutes the on-season, which is the exact opposite, just at least literally, um, well, it, it's that, as you say, it's, it's a preparation. It's something which is leading to something else, isn't it? Whereas the off-season, mm-hmm. by its very nature, doesn't because it, has to be off but and it is part of the training cycle at the same time mm-hmm. so it's sort of i don't know i i agree with the idea that well obviously i agree with the whole point around the off season we'll come on to why we do one but i guess the first point i'd almost point point out to anyone is that it isn't just an off season as in like it's you're either on or you're off this is still part of your season has just got a different name for itself really um but i don't know necessarily people think um think around it that way around as, as they don't necessarily see it as part of their 
their training cycle as they might do when you think about well why do i have a rest day in my training week why do i have a rest week in my training block why do i have a kind of a recovery period after a big block of training um you know all these things are part of the season and part of training and it's sort of almost accepted within it but actually an off season is also part of training it's just um kind of a lot looser and maybe more fluffy and people get a bit more scared by that bored love it <laughs> yeah i think it's dangerous when it all becomes a bit too detailed and specific and i think it's different things for different athletes um it depends what on looks like for each athlete so i don't there's lots of generic conversations about off-season out there. I don't think it's the same thing to each athlete because on is not the same to each athlete. Um, and, you know, if you're going to individualise things from a coaching point of view, so answering this from almost like a coach's perspective, I think there's a difference in it. And I think, so athletes need to digest what they hear, 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 hear. God, that doesn't come out well. But here today, that probably works better. Um, you know, within this conversation, they need to digest that a little bit differently for themselves. Um, but yeah, it is part of the broader process, and I think the easiest way to convey that is when talking about Olympic cycles. So, you know, there's always that kind of fallow year generally for Olympic athletes after an Olympic Games. And I guess that's that's somewhat truncated this time around for athletes. And normally they'd have three years of gradually building up, and it's it's an upslope towards the uh, the next Olympic Games. But like any journey, that journey is not linear, and it has to have sort of dips and recovery periods with within it, within which you can adapt. Like the recovery days that you mentioned there, it's just all of those recovery periods, it, it's the same principle, but just in a, on a larger timescale. So within a day-to-day, -day, you've obviously got sleep. Having this off, off, an off-season is just a, it's essentially a really zoomed out sort of longer time period, same process of sleep. Just as you're talking just there, I was sat there thinking, I was like, maybe the problem is, is actually in the way we phrase things and the language, because if you sit there and you say, and I understand it, you know, you understand that how many times we built up a training program with a rest day or, a, you know, three weeks yeah. on, one week off, or, you know, we understand that training cycle. But yeah. if you, if you speak to generally, if you speak to athletes, they understand training as sweating and yeah. rest and recovery as not sweating and therefore getting slower potentially. Whereas actually, if you, as I said, you and I look at it and we say, well, training is all of that training is a component which is obviously swim bike run if you're looking at triathlon but let's just leave it as sweating and yeah. then the other component of it is your rest and recovery which includes nutrition you know sleep and all those other good areas which come yeah. into it so what we're actually talking about is training it's just one part or phase within the training um process it's all training it's just not sweating um i think it's good for us to know that i don't think it's necessarily good for athletes to know that if they start thinking of the off season as training is Oh, I don't know. I'm not quite. I know exactly. I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure about that. <laughs> I, I feel like that is wrong, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound right. I think add cycles of adaptation or you Again, know, rest, improving. 
yeah, restoration of energy, restoration of enthusiasm. It's more purposeful than off. Um, and, you know, the question that I posed to you before, before we start recording in terms of those athletes who are on either end of the scale with this, those athletes who are, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're into the cocktail bar quicker than you can say up in off season. And you've got those other ones who are still doing 1,000 TSS weeks. Yeah. And that's off to them, but they, they just can't stop. And no, matter, no matter how little you put in training weeks, no matter how much you say, try to sing, string together two off days, two days of no exercise, I, I can't do it comes a response. And as everywhere, those are probably pretty much the two extremes. And... I've lost my I lost my trailer thought now. The um... well, let, let me just ask a question then, if you if you're going. So um, I like what you said around the fact that you need to consider around the, each individual's on season as to how and what a an off season would look like yeah. for somebody. Um, because I think a lot of the times, you know, the, this is the time of year when people start thinking about next year and they start thinking yeah. about what they've happened. Hopefully they're reflecting upon what they've done in the past um, few months. Um, potentially this year, looking back further than a few months, just because of the way races have rolled through. Um, however, you know, quite often the question that gets posed back from the athletes to the coach is, you know, why do I need an off season? You know, we're kind of getting going. And I think considering the on, for an individual is a really big part of being able to answer that one because for someone who's quite early on in their athletic career you know actually building up the momentum of training and understanding it and as long as they've not been doing 2000 tss points per week or whatever it is that they've been you know coming to you in and they're kind of slowly building it actually an off season might not look any drastically different to what they were already doing it's just got a slightly different purpose behind it or um, emphasis it might be a lot more on one of the sports or in sort of certain areas of enjoyment for sport or otherwise but that would look very very different to the person who's just gone out and really really buried themselves for sort of six months to try and um, win races at the top end or something like that and put in some big big efforts um, and so I guess I'm trying to to look at that kind of the, the obvious question which most athletes kind of come back on especially if they're new and they don't really understand about that training cycle I said it's all training but um, maybe that's the coach's only <laughs> conversation so yes we get that but um, you know why, why is one needed why why do why do we need to kind of go into the whole process of on and off and rest and recovery and um, and kind of what why does that or what does that look like for different people So the question is, why do we need to do it, yeah? Yeah, why, why is one needed? And I guess looking at, into that, that's sort of more specific to the individual athlete, I know, but... It's not necessarily. That's what I mean. Like, if somebody's doing three or four hours of training a week, then it's not really that necessary. It depends on what's going on. It depends on the... Over Say that again? It comes in the same area as a taper. You know, if you're not actually training enough, do you actually need to taper? Yeah, exactly. It depends on overall load as well. So if that person who is doing three, four, five hours of training a week also is accumulating 2,000 TSS a week in their work and they're redlining from work to training and they're barely sleeping, mm -hmm. then actually, even if you are only doing that amount of training, you need to create space in your timetable before a race 
and during a off season or recovery period, you need to create space to do that. So if there's no give in work, then there has to be some give in the training load. Um, the same for any kind of life stress, you know, if somebody's got, um, you know, three children under five, for example, they're, you know, that's, that's quite a lot of work. Um, so there needs to be space created to restore, restore that energy. Um, I think it's also psychological. You can only maintain focus and discipline for so long. You know, we take, why, why do people take holidays from work? Why don't we just work all the time? Well, because after a while, our batteries start to run low. And everybody kind of gets that with work because they're like, well, it's work. Who wants to work all the time? Um, but when it comes to the sport, that's not always the same when it comes to training. And I think it does depend on the perspective of the individual. And you're talking about the different definitions between, between exercise and, and training. So I think the psychological aspects are really obvious. Physiologically, it's very important as well from a, an energy balance point of view and what's kind of going on in terms of the stress response systems in your body, potentially hormonally, what's going on in your body. So in terms of endocrine system, it, it's important. But that, that all sounds really fancy and it'll, it won't necessarily be relevant to everybody. But that, that's the theory behind why we're doing it. But I think most age groupers, actually, there's just a lot more practical elements as to why we do it. You know, like I said, the, if you've got three children under five, you've got a really busy job. Um, um, there's these things called like partners, uh, girlfriends, husbands, boyfriends, whatever. Um, you know, they're, they're quite important people, family members. I've heard of them somewhere um apparently it's good to spend time with them and that helps with balance with the rest of your life and make sure a well-rounded reasonable individual who's got a bit of perspective and i think we both agree that perspective is really important when it comes to training and energy and enthusiasm is really important when it comes to training so yeah i think for me almost the biggest thing is the perspective from a, from a coaching point of view i want the athlete to be able to have perspective and I want them to have a healthy relationship with the rest of their lives and a healthy relationship with their sport. And they see it as that, and it's a conscious choice to do it rather than my pet hate word. And I, I really do dislike it is need. I hear it so much from athletes. I need, I need, I, I really dislike it. What I, I would like to, I want to. Oh, I'd love it if that happened. That would be amazing. All of those far better. I need. Ugh. It's trying to re retain that balance is super important. You and I have definitely had conversations around that. Um, I guess separation between need and uh, and want to do something or sport or training. So um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I know where you're coming from on that, but I guess. Um, I guess just for those of those people who haven't been privy to the conversations that we've had, how would you sort of try to summarize that difference between need and want? And then how does that fit into a conversation around this time of year? In perspective? I think, I think need is often based around, 
is un- it's unconscious and I think it's based around what I think it's based around anxiety and worry and an unhealthy and an unhealthy an unhealthy relationship with whatever it is that you need to do you know the only thing that we actually need to do is to is to drink eat and breathe everything after that is kind of a choice and that's where want comes in because if you make to if you make a choice to do something then really you should want to do it like i mean sometimes in life you have to choose to do things that you don't particularly want to do but often those are because of the consequences of our choices i would like to have children i don't want to change the nappy well you decided to have children the nappy is a necessary evil so you kind of if you've made, you can't complain about the nappies if you've decided to have children because that's a consequence of a choice that you've made at, at an earlier point. So I think recognising those kind of relationships is really important. And I think it's really important with regards to a relationship with discipline. If you, if you, you, know, if you choose to do something, then once you're past the point of making that choice, you, you're then committed to it. You can make another choice further down the line you know, that's okay. That's part of life and learning and gathering experience. But kind of when, when you're in that kind of bit, then like I say, I, bet, I think the big thing with need is it's is often based around anxiety and then a healthy relationship with what, whatever it is. And how does that need and one fit in then with this off-season conversation? Uh, from which point of view (laughs) I'm going to say both the coach and the athlete well yeah I was but I wasn't phrasing that I was thinking more from I'm going to do absolutely nothing and head to the cocktail bar or whatever it is for a need need or want then where does the need or want conversation fit into the uh, the athlete whose finish line um, was about twenty five steps further on in the nearest cafe bar area at the finish line on the edge of the red carpet, and the uh, the other one um, who whose sort of um, finish line was straight back onto a turbo so they could uh, kind of finish off um, the next block of training. So yeah, how how, uh, how would you kind of categorize or have that conversation around need? and want desire to train um and the differences there between those I, think, two. I think fundamentally it's kind of it's a bandwidth thing because for both of those athletes their bandwidth is they're then they're unable to move out of a certain bandwidth so for the athlete who and this isn't always the case there is the, the third individual who doesn't really need to to listen to this conversation between us because they're able to be disciplined in training and they're able to switch off they have that healthy relationship. They choose to train, then they have a rest, and then they set. You know, and it's a, you know they're fine with that. But then there's these two kind of outliers in terms of potentially the person who's not necessarily that disciplined in training doesn't necessarily apply themselves that well. But then as soon as it's off, they're definitely off, and they're so far off the rails you can't even hear the choo choo. Um, and then there's the other athlete who's so on it. And, and it's really difficult sometimes to coach because it could be extremely high performing, but then they just carry that on and it's not necessarily healthy. And it's very easy to just say yes to that athlete. Yeah, just carry on training. And not to say no, and not to say no to them. 
kind of a parenting thing almost um where you kind of have to go well no that's not the best thing to do because it's not necessarily good for your health um and i think that they're, they're stuck within these narrow bandwidths and the reason why i say it's that narrow that narrowness is is because they're un, unable to step into like comfort zone so you've got uh, comfort challenge and terror in terms of the donuts and that that narrow dot in the middle is your comfort zone and that bandwidth so they're just staying within their comfort zone and i think for coaches is the challenge is to is to get them into the challenge zone and try to stretch that bandwidth so and that's why i say for for different athletes it's different so for one athlete it might be you know actually you need to stay relatively disciplined in your off season because actually going so far off the rails like i say you can't hear choo choo which is a terrible dad joke but anyway um the um they they actually need to look after their body composition so that year on year they're making an improvement to being a, you know a healthier or you know potentially more athletic body composition and uh, but the athlete at the other end you're just trying to get two two rest days in a row off and it's that's why it's different for different people and this generic down the middle kind of this is what you do is not necessarily that useful because we're not all like that but if the if those people at either end of the scales can can challenge themselves to take one step further it's the same as on camps when we have athletes who struggle with descending and so they're breaking all the way down the hill and it's like well okay let's try and count to three without breaking let's try and count to four without breaking let's try and count to five and so on it's exactly the same with this kind of thing and it's just a it's just a personal challenge and growth so i was going to ask that then so if you're if you're sat there with a uh, well there will be people at either either end of that spectrum having a, you know, a good listen and i think the common thing that you see with um with athletes is they find things to reinforce what they're saying so i could immediately see or hear an athlete listening to what you just said and say yeah no that's great so you know what i need to do is i need to make sure that i uh, retain my body composition for the next year to see a year on year athletic improvement coming from the person who needs to carry who you know has that desire to carry on training non-stop whereas mm -hmm. the other person in the other camp says well actually i need to make sure i you know do take that time off so i'm going to order another round of trebles if that sounds uh, fantastic and you can see how people will pick and mix the bits which they want to hear but what what advice would you be giving um to that person who is sort of sat there looking at going to the bar you said not at all for a friend um who's sort of sat there kind of saying i'm going to go to the bar now i'm going to just have a few few extra um drinks i'm going to you know just totally go for the um um the cocktails and the off season and look at me feet up not doing anything at all um you know what would the bit of advice be for them and then what would be the advice for the other person who you know finished their Ironman on Sunday and they were back on Zwift on Monday and they were doing the kind of the club session the next week as well what would be your kind of two pieces of advice takeaways for those um, individuals at either end of that spectrum the same answer to both of them it would be it would be to encourage them to try and diversify their options in terms of letting their hair down basically because the, the person who is genuinely continuing with training 
they'll be saying, well, I need to exercise, it's good. Um, helps me clear my head. It's something that I need to do every day in order to like maintain my well-being. And obviously, you know, it's going to be really helpful going forward for the next season. It's like, well, okay, have you tried a jigsaw? Like, just, I know it's like jigsaw is the first thing that popped into my head. Like, you know, could you encourage them to go away on holiday and not take the bike? Go somewhere where they can't hire a bike, um, where there's not a pool. Um, and it, it might be actually that, you know, it's a walking holiday or something that is just different. Um, get them to go to dance lessons for a few weeks, whatever it is, but it's just that small percentage change and it's broadening their their vocabulary, if you like, in terms of their their, their life experience and what they're able to do. It's just that you're, you're stretching them a little bit and it would be the same thing for the, um, for the person at the bar. Be like, well, okay, well, you know, what other things could you do potentially? You could do that. But that's cool. And obviously, you would like you if that's what you enjoy doing. Then you're going to do, do it. it. Yeah, 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 you could. I'm not going to say don't do it because that's kind of the whole point of this part of year. Yeah. But I'm also going to say, well, what else could you? I, it's just to add that element of challenge to stretch them in outside of that kind of. Well, this is what I do, and I think. I yeah, I think as a coach, I think if the answer comes back to me, well, you know, I'm really struggling to do that, and I and I think it's an important thing for that individual to try and stretch themselves in order for them to develop. And then that's a bit of a sticking point. Um, yeah, that, that's tricky. Then you then you then you just have a bit more straightforward, challenging conversation, and just kind of say that. Yeah, well, that's going to go down the kind of normal coaching, challenging question conversation, I guess. We actually try and get to the bottom of the why and, you know, why is it difficult for that individual? What can they do um, differently? I think um, the we could spend a lot of time sort of uh, picking out, I guess, those either either ends. But for that for that person in the middle, or and most people will be probably more in line with the middle, um, or you know, they're not going to be at the either extreme. They're definitely going to be people who are, enjoying the christmas parties if they're coming back online with covid and you know relaxing a little bit what i mean what's the sort of advice there for someone then for an off off season kind of what what would i guess the average typical off season um look like ignoring the two extremes but if you're going down the middle i mean how, how would you kind of describe it i guess it's how does how does someone want to feel through it it's probably a good way of looking at it because you can't, I mean, there's no, there isn't a recipe. You can't say if you take three and a half days doing this, then do this. That just doesn't work. So what's the sort of feelings and things that, look, that they should be looking for? Depends on how the, how high a mountain you're trying to climb. It depends where your starting point is. I think for athletes who've been in the sport for one to four years, it's a relatively same, same question. I think it's different for athletes who've been into the sport longer than that because they're starting from a higher starting point. And potentially there's a lot more confidence and a lot more known factors in terms of what they've done before and therefore what they can afford to do again and potentially where, you know, they're, where they're going, et cetera. Um, but generally in terms of actually describing what it looks like, I'd say a week of nothing. Don't, don't do anything. Go for a walk, keep moving. Mm. Don't, don't like, you know, don't transplant the sofa to your backside. Um, 
but don't don't swim by run basically go and like um i think it's uh vanilla language i've seen this week on uh social media having golf lessons great go and do something different like learn a new skill like stretch yourself and um that's that's fine within that time period and then generally that could that could be a couple of weeks it could be longer it depends on the individual um depends on the 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 life background and then i think a period of unstructured exercise after that where you can put some swim bike and run could be a couple of weeks could be four weeks could be six weeks you know for some athletes who are on you know they might be being coached for a training plan that could be a few months up until christmas um and then obviously there comes a point at which you you start to put structure back in mm-hmm. um and that starts with a, a general prep general preparation phase and again it, it depends on you as an individual if you uh you know, if, you, if you've been in the sport for a long time, a little bit of mountain biking for a while can be a really good diversification. I think it's really important to think about managing the longevity of your enthusiasm. And again, that goes back to the Olympic Games kind of thing where you see those Olympic athletes in the year after the Olympics, they, they're doing a middle distance or they're trying a bit of exterior or, you know, Alistair Brownlee last year, gra- you know, gravel biking, uh, um around um oh what's it called the Camino did uh no no bad something i oh, can't God. remember anyway Southern seven spain and then the gravel champs and stuff like that so well i think he obviously because he was coming back from injury could do but uh, why not like to, you know do it while you can and when you then when you when then when you go back to training rather than having done you know, a couple of months of fairly boring rehab and that's it. And you've used up all your boring tokens, if you like. He's actually gone and had a really fun experience. And then when he does go back into structured training again, it's actually, well, you know, I had a really good time there. I've, I've done my rehab and stuff as well, but cool, I'm ready to knuckle down. And for me, that's the whole goal of the whole off-season. If you get to that point where, like, Oh, I really want to do this now. I'm hungry. Like, tell me where to line up. Right, let's go. I'm going to get this done. Yeah, I think that's sort of when I look at um, having conversations with athletes, that's the sort of things I'm looking for. I guess I'm expecting two parts. The first is that um, they're really, they're kind of wanting to continue because they've got that discipline. You know, they've been training for a few months or, you know, over a year or close to a year now in terms of swim bike run they know they've got their swims on these days and they go to them every time and it's you know that's what they do um and so for a large part of part of it it's sort of it's almost breaking the mold of discipline which they've created in order to facilitate the ability to relax and recharge because a lot of what they're doing is just routine i get up now and go you know why do people get up really early still the weekends even though they know they can lie in it's because yeah. they get up with work time because that's what they're used to doing. And so I yeah. think there's a kind of element of sort of almost breaking the discipline which the body's instilled to get the habit done, which is important for training. Like being able to have that discipline is really, really important. So I kind of feel there's a breaking of that which needs to happen to then allow you to actually relax as opposed to be kind of sat there with the structure and everything in place. And then, as you said, it's that kind of, oh, I'm really hungry now. I, I'm, I'm ready to do it. And quite often it, it's the athlete coming 
they go through that first phase and then that sort of second point where it's like yeah now i'm now i'm ready mm. and sometimes what i'll do depending on the athlete and how well i know them i might actually ask them to come back in another couple of weeks because they're not actually hungry yet they just think that they're hungry and they just need a little bit longer to make sure that they as you say storing up a few more boring tokens and getting themselves ready yeah. and i think a common misconception for for a lot of athletes is that it is they don't need to do anything or as you say you go to the one extreme and I, and I think that idea of doing something different new skill fun is really really good you know triathletes by the very nature have got a ridiculously good set of skill set you know they've got arms and they've got legs which work um they may be pretty rubbish at going side to side but you know in general they've got you know good upper body strength they should have good core strength they should have strong legs and they should have good resilience in running because they've got all those you know, three sports which facilitate those things so they're not going to be a natural gift into other sports. I've spent my fair share of time around triathletes trying to throw and catch balls to know that that's not necessarily the, the kind of the first choice of um, other sport, but they can definitely go and do different things and take that fitness into something else, into a different domain, which itself will challenge them. You know, we talk a lot of the time about, you know, do your physio exercises, build up strength and everything else. And we don't want to sit them, you know, say, okay, well, why don't you just take up rugby now? And let's see how that, that works out for you when you're already knackered and tired and you're just one, you know, a few days post Ironman, just rock up to rugby preseason. It kind of might hurt in a really bad way. Um, but so choose your battles, I guess. But taking on a different sport, taking on a different challenge, doing something different, use that focus, the kind of that the self-discipline which you have within your body to take up and challenge yourself. Kind of keep that plastic um, expansion of your brain and everything else and do something and learn something differently and then apply it back to triathlon. I don't think I've ever sat in, a, in any sort of point as a coach where I've been sat there reading a book on another sport, whatever sport it is, watching documentary on another sport and said, oh, that's totally irrelevant to the kind of sport of triathlon. Nor have I looked at other things in terms of other areas and thought that's totally irrelevant to triathlon or endurance sports there's really good nuggets which you can take from other areas and i think it's sort of quite useful sometimes for triathletes to go elsewhere and sort of see a they do have good fitness which they can take into those other areas like climbing mountains or walking up things um but equally you know they can they can enjoy it and they can get a different experience of um using that fitness without necessarily losing it which is what i think most triathletes are really worried about yeah, it's per it's personal challenge as well. Like you can only, I from a coaching point of view, you can only work with what you've got with the with the individual and their personality, and their breadth. Like if they can grow, you know, and I think if you can grow as an individual and broaden your horizons and your perspective and have a bit more, you know, oh yeah. It's the same kind of principle as like if you go away, if you could do an Ironman and then go back to standard distance, it's like, wow, that's not too hard, is it? Um, as in, you know, relatively it's, it's different, but it's the same thing with your, like your personality. Like if you can, if you can get, if it's really, really hard for you to not train, to then be able to actually to step back from it and make that leap in terms of you as an individual there's then so much more room for growth and potential for the next season. What you said there in terms of like breaking the mold, like because as a coach, you kind of made a mold for a season of an athlete and you kind of, you can't make, 
you know, like if you're trying to mold, you know, mold something, if you've still got that mold there from last year, you can't, you can't improve it. It's got that. It's it, it, you know, it's you almost like to, if you've got that mold and there's cracks in it, you know, you can think about molding a jar or something, a vase, yeah, yeah. and you can, if you've got a crack in it, you can spend the whole season just putting little things in it, a bit of blue tack to keep it going, or break it down, restart it, and it's going to be the same clay, same everything. Oh, yeah. It'll Smash build the it. same thing, but it's going to yeah, be just yeah. better. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Because like I, I, a lot of the conversations I've had with athletes at the moment is just really simple around the SWOT assessment. So, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are the opportunities for you to like challenge yourself? And what are the threats to you improving or challenging yourself? You know, is it is it the puppy that keeps you awake? What you know, whatever. Um, and and trying to then start with that and just making that a really long list and then going okay well what are we gonna what are we gonna pick from that and and then that's kind of like the raw material that like in the factory making your jar philip that's like the raw ingredients where you're like okay well i need that amount of glass and i need whatever coloring of glass or that kind of temperature of oven and all of this kind of stuff maybe we need to do glass making as our uh, off-season uh, yeah, glass. We could do glass blowing. You can yeah. apparently you can do that in places. We could make like shapes and stuff. It'd be great. Probably just make glasses, eh? Um, and yeah, you need you need to break it down into that raw material to to make something better. If you just sort of carry on with exactly what you had last year, was the same. So, so if you keep on doing what you've always done, yeah. I think that kind of brings that. So I guess the last question then, and I, I guess I sort of accidentally sort of asked the answer that a little bit, but how, how as an athlete, do you know when it's the right time to return? Like when should you return and how do you know that it's the right time to come back? Because that's start, always going to be- I, I can answer that really succinctly. When you start irritating the people that you live with. That's a fair one, yes. Yeah, <laughs> You've got that energy back, the batteries recharged. Like, well, oh, do this jumping up and down. It's probably not a far, far off way of answering that. I like that. Yeah, I think that, and also, um, I think when you can really state what you want to do, because I, you know, as coaches, like I say, you can have a, we, I, you know, I've had it loads of times where, oh yeah, I, I want to do this race. I'm going, I'm going to think about doing this race two weeks later. Oh, I've spoken to these guys. I think I might actually do this one, um, but I'm still not really sure. Not really sure. And then there's the other conversation where you're like. I've entered this race. I was thinking about the course and I think this kind of time is possible. What kind of preparation race do you think would be possible for that one? Uh, and when do you think I should maybe go away training? Um, I think I'd like to start going to the running uh, session with the club on a Thursday. It's mm. like that, that just shows the, I, I thought about the event, I've entered the event, I've given it some consideration and I've committed to working out a way that I'm going to do it. There's like, there's there, there's a bit, also the fact that you committed to entering kind of makes a difference, but you know, obviously people can enter, flippant, enter events flippantly, but it's kind of that, that kind of next layer of the process of thinking about things is when you're running an R in and it's not not consistent then and something crystallizes is a really good way of putting it i think yeah 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 exactly 
because that also then plays into the whole thing of well when should you return and well actually a really obvious point is if you've got a race which is you know you're looking at doing in November um you know late late season race next year then you've got two options one get back sooner do an early early season race and have a mid-season break which you then take more time off or think about delaying your restart so you've got a, in the a long single lead time into your race later later on in the season otherwise you're going to start now and get absolutely knackered in 12 months time i know that was something we spoke a lot about in um over the last 18 months with uh, with covid delaying races initially into the late part of 2020 and then again yeah. 2021 and you're actually like well hang on a minute we need to be really careful that we're not taking an athlete having started for their a race in may or june which is now in September or October, and we've just basically been working with them since you know, Christmas time or earlier, um, that they're not going to get there so exhausted that they're not even ready to really race at all. Do you, do you think planning for next year is different because of what's gone in the last 18 months? So, you know, like what I've just said in terms of going to do this race nice and clear, do you think that's the same with the last 18 months or do you think... I think the last 18 months has definitely obviously skewed that to mean that people aren't too sure. And I think, I mean, I just look at the the kind of the data and the stats in terms of us as a business, you know, I have a look at the training plan sales and they are very, very low. Why? <laughs> because why would I buy a plan which is going to last X number of weeks when I don't know if that event's going to necessarily go ahead? Mm. Um, you know, so there's definitely, I think, um, sort of tells which indicate that, you know, we... I've all been looking at events and the likelihood of them taking place differently to what we were doing previously, for sure. Um, do we look forwards in a different way? I think races are more likely to stay relatively put. I mean, maybe there's a conversation around climate change now and how that's interfering things with obviously California and a few other races being impacted by um, sort of different uh, weather systems or um, uh, other things around um, global warming. But that big point aside, um, I don't think that events are going to be jumping around like they were. I think events are going to settle down a lot more easily. So um, will things change? I think the big thing that's changed as a coach is that there's maybe a, um, a lot more willingness to build someone up and build someone up and then have a very, very short specific preparation into an, an, an event once you've got there. So almost keeping things more general for longer. Um, with the knowledge that they can build in and taper quite quickly for mm. their main event, because that's essentially what we had. We had athletes in a holding pattern for twelve to fifteen months until the A race, which you know was scheduled at one point, eventually came round. So we kind of kind of rebuilding and then rebuilding and then rebuilding. So yeah. I think there's definitely some positive changes to take away from that. But I think that in terms of will races change? No, I don't think they will. They'll move around so much. I, I still think the the water's muddy as well for people because of the with events that carry over so obviously you know california as you mentioned there that a lot of those athletes well that's due to weather obviously covid's had a lot of incidents where people are like you know what should i do in my entry mm -hmm. or what should i do in my qualification i know for the 70.3 worlds the athletes uh, i think it's as far as 2025 new zealand so because it's, it's Utah, Finland, and then New Zealand. But for athletes that have qualified for Taupo or Taupo, Taupo, Taupo. In 2019. So yeah, it was in 2019, geez. It, the lost year. 
I believe those athletes in 2019 still have the option to race in 2024. Yeah. And obviously, obviously, the big thing there is that you could, they could potentially be racing in a different. A lot of athletes are going to be racing in a different age group. And yeah, I, I just five so, years ahead, and they will be. Yeah, they yeah. Well, even even twenty four. Even even one year could make that. So, um, yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, definitely, definitely, though, that will most athletes will be end up in age group in that situation. But I just think that puts athletes in a really difficult situation because. Well, you might not want to do it anymore, but you've financially committed. And I think there's a lot of athletes out there in this dilemma at the moment that they're financially committed or handcuffed, literally handcuffed to a race entry uh, or the loss of their money. And their their motivation or their goals may well have significant, obviously for very good reason over the last 18 months. A lot of people have changed you know, during that time and their goals might not be the same. And it's, it's a very difficult time to be clear on what you want to do because of the practical reasons that you've spoke about. But I also think there's still like this hangover effect I'd hope of all the issues with events as well. Yeah, well, I'd hope that the, the kind of rollovers are fewer and far between. I totally take your point, John, you know, 70.3 worlds, that's a really good example of where mm. you could have, you literally have over half a decade's worth of time between when you qualify <laughs> and when you raced. Um, but it's crazy. I, I think um, I think that for the most part, I'm hoping that that COVID rollover has sort of had a bit of a clean slate. There will certainly be some people who do, and I know I've got athletes who've got. Oh, well, I've still got this race entry from this one because they moved it, and I couldn't do this date, so they rolled me through for sure. Um, but I I think that generally speaking, you know, now in that off season, most of those events will be starting to be something which we can pick and say, actually, this is really good. I'm going to try and do this. Um, and actually we're looking at race selection again, rather than um, date selection <laughs> or deselection. If you've got a, a, a conflection between sort of multiple. Yeah, yeah. Um, we drifted away from off season there a little bit. Guilty. Well, I think it's an important part of that off season, as you say, you know, I think if you, if you can crystallize that, um, what is that? kind of goal which you're wanting to have for the yeah. next season you know that's a really big part of it and I think race selection and choosing what you're doing is it. you know I have a couple of athletes I'm think I can think of off the top of my head you know where we they said oh I want to get back into training I was like well yeah fine but training for what you know what, what are we training for it's like you, you kind of you've not really given anything in terms of what you're wanting to do yet so what is it that you want I think that's do? a giveaway isn't it sometimes because you want to train to feel good yeah. and race to feel good so there's a there's there's a there's a very psychological aspect to that and there's not a it's not necessarily an athletic endeavor yeah i think the i think some of it is the going back to COVID. i guess the point around some races not necessarily confirming a date you know, europeans took a long time to confirm what date yeah. they'll actually be racing in, yeah. which makes things harder um so I guess finish, finishing and wrapping wrapping things up around the off season. What would be the piece of advice you give just generally to an athlete um, around around an off season? Kind of what would be your kind of takeaway for them? Have some water at the end of the night after going out to the cocktail bar. Um, genuine tip. And have some uh, cocktail after doing a survey <laughs> session. <laughs> if you're at the other end, right? <laughs> Honestly, I think I think for me a big thing is 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 the is the 
the, the infrastructure and discipline, you know, like lose the Garmin, do stuff for fun, don't record stuff, don't go on training peaks, you know, um, and just try to try to come away from all of that stuff so that, you know, you can then come back in, not necessarily right at the bottom of the slope, but you can come in and, you know, start to gradually wind that momentum up because obviously, you know, we all know as you get closer to an event, I think in the, uh, in an email, um, as I think you said last week in terms of that, you know, that focus does become more and more tight as you get towards an event. It's just to totally zoom out and also try and find stuff that you, you can do for fun and to you can do to take out your comfort zone when you when you step back in it's is this is i like i like it when um professionals from other area from other sports go into other sports and they look at it with a new set of eyes so obviously you know some some of the uh from formula one because Martin Whitmarsh went over and worked with the with the sailors, and is taking the looking at things through a new lens, a new set of eyes, and questioning sort of why you're doing things, not to just, oh, I did that last year, I'll do that again. Some point in the cross country season, because I want to go and do cross country. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah I've, it's, got to stay, I've got to stay fit because I've got cross country. Yeah, it's fine to do that. Don't do it without engaging your brain, really, without thinking about it. Don't do it without engaging. So do it. No. Do, you, do it consciously. Okay. That's what I mean. So like, to, to just just go. Oh yeah, I did that last year. I'll do that again. It just it's thoughtless. If you if you if you can reason out why you're doing it, but also look at all the other areas as well. And and challenge yourself to say, you know, why I'm actually doing that? What benefit does that that bring? What else could I maybe do? Is this as useful as it really could be? Is there something better I could do? You know, am I actually a bit bored of this now? And am I just doing it because I can't bother to think about it and do something else, or am I just doing it because it's just comfortable? Yeah. Because okay. you know. Is this just a is this just a habit? Is it just a knee jerk? Is it almost like a um, an automatic response, an involuntary action? Or are you are you actually actively choosing to do it? Well, I asked for one takeaway, Alan, and I think you gave about ten there. There's some absolutely golden nuggets in in that. Um, well, yeah, the the the, the the small point is just like, yeah, don't don't just do it because, yeah, because it's habit, really. Well, I mean, I was trying to think of of, uh, of a takeaway from my perspective, and you kind of kept on ticking things off. So I'll just summarise. Sorry, my... <laughs> sorry, I'll shut up. Now. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Uh, way to pass the pass the man a hospital pass. Um, yeah, I think you could talk about equipment, or you could talk about how you can improve some other aspect of the process by your mindset. Yeah, I guess so. I just think if you're looking at it just generally, you know, athletes off seasons, it's an important, it is an important part of the process within training. And I think recognize that. Um, and I think just you said at the very beginning, and I think it's the most important thing, enjoy yourself and actually enjoy yourself. Really, really just have fun. So yes, go to club sessions, 
but not because you're trying to get faster, but because that actually might be where all your friends are because you've got, you know, that's your yeah. social social life. And it's not a bad thing. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. Just go and enjoy the part of it. You know, instead of being sat there and what, you know, pushing the pace or racing, just have a, have a laugh. And then if you win a sprint up a hill, great. And if you don't, great. Go back and have a cup of coffee at the, you know, the coffee stop and just enjoy it and have fun. And, and don't take, take the training side of things too seriously um, would be the kind of main comment and do and have the same approach within all the other areas of life. So kind of, you know, look at investing back into your family, into your uh, other social friends, et cetera, and, and then and having fun and enjoying it, I think will do a large part in making a headway for the following season. And you'll feel so much stronger, so much better if you know that all those kind of ducks from the line, everyone's on side and you're happy and, you know, you're actually content in life um and if that means you go out on a bike ride that's okay that means you go for a bit of windsurfing it's cold but that's okay too you know have fun enjoy it so that that makes me think of something too it's in terms of when it comes to training it's like okay what do what training do i need to do today and um what equipment do i need what races am i going to do what time do i need to go to bed what time do i need to get up when do i need to eat when do i need to go shopping and actually you should just burn all of that and in the morning and wake up and ask yourself what does somebody else need that's a really nice way to finish off i think i mean what does what is the off season all about it's what other people need and i think that's a lovely way to to wrap it up so there you go there be you good go. eggs <laughs> brilliant well we'll catch you all next time on the uh the next uh next edition of fit i'm not too sure what we're talking about next time but i'm sure we'll be uh of uh, of interest and value again so thank you very much alan no worries uh, catch you all later the believe strive achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Try Training Harder. Thanks for listening.